And the gospel is good news. Uh, good news is that we, this revelation that we don't have what it takes to live life the way that we need to or the way that we want to, but good news, God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ, that God gave us hope in Jesus Christ, that God gave us His Word, which draws us into relationship with Him. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just so convinced that as we talk about being a healthy community, that we talk about we being a church family that is walking in light of who God is calling us to be, that a key component of that is that we are just speakers of life, that we are just people who bring in the kingdom of God to where we go, that when we gather together, we feel built up in the faith, that we feel encouraged in the faith, we feel strengthened in the faith. And so this idea of a community, what does that look like? What does it look like when we really come in to support one another and to support the things that God is asking us to do? This morning, I want to talk about uh, how we can be advocates for others to experience the kingdom of God. So this word advocate, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because we, we think in terms of courtroom, right? An advocate, it's somebody who stands on our side. You know, that Scripture uses the word advocate in relationship to the Holy Spirit, that He's our advocate. It also talks about Jesus being our advocate before the Father. He's the one who is on our side. He's the one that presents us before God. He's, he's the one that gives us the way to the Father. And the Holy Spirit has that same role. He's our advocate. He's the one who speaks to us and is alongside of us so that we can hear and follow and know God more clearly. But you know, it's not just the role of Jesus. It's not just the role of the Holy Spirit. It says, Scripture says that that's part of our role too, that He calls us to be advocates for the kingdom of God and for people who God brings into our life. That, that's advocacy role. What does that look like? Well, what an advocate does is they come alongside and they help the person reach the place or the outcome in which is best for them. An advocate comes alongside and gives information that's necessary, gives support, uh, resource that is necessary for that individual to get to the desired outcome of what needs to happen. And so when we think about being advocates, one of the reasons that we're called to do this is that this is, this is really at the heart of Jesus's ministry, is that when He, as God incarnate, God in the flesh, that He didn't take a role of dominance, He took a role of service and advocacy. He came alongside of the disciples to, to walk with them and to disciple along with them so that they could know the Father. One of my favorite passages in terms of makes me kind of chuckle is the one where the disciples are, uh, it says that they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. It, it's just so good because it's just, it's what people tend to do, right? It's like you get a, especially guys, I mean, guys, I'm going to rat us out here for a moment. It's like guys get into these contests of whose story is better, right? It's like, you know, well, I, I jumped my bike, even when you're kids, I jumped my bike five feet. I jumped my 10, right? It's like, we're going to one-up to you. Whatever we can do, we're just going to bump it up, bump it up a notch. And so, you can just see the disciples, like, who's going to be the greatest? Well, I was with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. Oh, yeah? Well, I healed that one guy, right? So, I, there's more of the Spirit in me than in you. And they could just go back and forth. Here's what Jesus says, that the greatest among you is going to be the least. He's going to be the servant of all. <laughs> Step right up if you want that, right? 
All of a sudden, the discussion goes really quiet about who's going to be the greatest. But this is, this is the nature of the kingdom. This is what Jesus does. Biblical leadership is not an authority trip about who God chose and who gets control and who, who gets to uh, lead everybody else. But biblical authority comes under the people that it serves and it advocates for them to see the Father and to fulfill God's purposes for their lives. So Jesus didn't stand over the disciples. He came up under and supported so that they could become the people that God was calling them to be. This is so important for us to understand about what God calls for us to be because the model for authority in the world, and and sometimes when I'm speaking about the world, I'm speaking about Western culture because that's where we live, but I want to tell you I've been in Africa, I've been in Bangladesh, of course, through our Bangladesh partnership, and it is the same all around the world. When people in the, the culture outside of the kingdom of God and unfortunately, sometimes it seeps into the church, but the, the, the kingdom of God uh, has a different effect than what's in the world. In the world, when you get authority, you use it to put people under you. And you see this worldwide. Whenever somebody gets power and control, they dominate, and they use the power, they use the position. In fact, the, the word that I would say is that it's a gatekeeping role, <laughs> So often when people get a position of power authority, they use it as a gatekeeping role. So because they're in that role, you're not going to get the knowledge that that you need in order to do your job because they're going to keep you one step away from it. You're not going to have access to people who you need access to because why? They're in that gatekeeping role. They're going to make sure that they keep that authority and you don't have access. They're going to make sure that they have the resources and control of them and you don't have the resources that you need in order to be successful in whatever role it is you're trying to be successful in. Have any of you ever experienced a gatekeeper before? Yeah, yeah. I, I've experienced them. I've, I've been one before. And boy, it's, it's not a pretty thing because you, you just feel like, why is this person in the way all the time? Why are they keeping me from being able to accomplish what it seems like they want me to accomplish? But honestly, that's, that's often the nature of authority in the world is people, when they get authority, they function as a gatekeeper. Jesus, he's so different, though. When he entered a town, he didn't set up meetings with regional, political, or religious, or military leaders. He went into the homes of those that were viewed as sinners. He didn't seek out the highest people in authority in each town, but he went to the homes of people who were a bunch of nobodies. Jesus had a different view of where the kingdom of God would go into and how it would move about. I, I think it's significant because one of the things that happens when you have somebody of great authority and power like Jesus, and then he tells somebody like Zacchaeus, who was small in stature, and uh, he's up in the tree, and Jesus walks through his town, and Jesus looks up to Zacchaeus, and he says, Zacchaeus I need to go to your home today. I need to go over to your place. Now, think if you would for a moment about uh, if, if, you, if you like a particular musician or band, uh, think about if they were coming to Grand Junction here. And then you just, I mean, it is full. And in fact, the fact that they came to Grand Junction, you're just like, wow, they, this, our town 
we don't get these big acts usually, but these guys, they chose to come here. And so you're there, you're just excited. You know, maybe it's a country jam or whatever it might be, so you're getting the headliner. And then they look at you and they say, hey, we want to hang out with you tomorrow. What would be the response of everybody in the crowd? They would look over at you and go, what? How does, how does he have an, how does she know them? It's like, how did that happen? Oh, I wish I could be that person, right? It, all of a sudden, because somebody of great positional or authority or recognition calls out somebody who nobody else knows, all of a sudden that person gets instant credibility. All of a sudden they have, that individual gets lifted up from their position of being unknown and, and lowly because they've been recognized by somebody of authority. You look at the life of Jesus, isn't that what he did over and over and over again? He went into a town, and instead of joining into the people of high stature, he called out a nobody, who we would call a nobody, the culture would call a nobody. He'd say, I need to have dinner with you. I want to come over to your place and, and spend some time with you. And all of a sudden, their position in the community was elevated. They had a unique a unique place. Well, I want to read from Matthew 25, 31 to 46, uh, because it highlights how God calls us to advocate and to come alongside those who have needs. Uh, Matthew 25, 31 to 46 says, when the Son of Man comes, this is Jesus speaking, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Verse 41 continues, it says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick and in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Very convicting passage. You know, Jesus is speaking about the difference between uh, the sheep and the goats, right? Uh, if you've been in the church for any length of time, you've maybe heard this this uh, story that Jesus lays out. And the thing to, one of the things to keep in mind is that this is not an exhaustive list of who we should help. <laughs> Jesus isn't listing 
that uh, we should only help the hungry, thirsty, the outsider, the destitute, poor, the sick, or the prisoners. It's a long list, but its goal is not to exhaust the list of every individual that we should help. It's provide a picture of those who are viewed as judged. It's trying to get us in the mindset of who in the society, especially in Jesus' time, were viewed through this lens of not loved by God. Why were they thirsty? Why were they hungry? Why were they in prison? Why didn't they have clothes? Why were they so destitute? Why? Because they were insignificant and apparently they were losers. Like God didn't care enough about them to take after them or to see fit that they were cared for, so they're overlooked, right? If, if you're in that position, you're a beggar. If you're in this low position, it's, you know, I, I don't mean to sound harsh. I mean, it makes me sound like a terrible person, right? But I mean, that's their viewpoint. It's like you're, you're at the mercy of just life, the way that it comes at you. Well, God's favor isn't on you. So if God's favor isn't on you, then why should I get involved with you? And Jesus highlights these people. And he says that this is, of course, not an exhaustive list, but these are the people who Jesus looks at and he says, this is who I come to serve. These are the ones that I come, come to love. Both groups had the same response. Lord, when did this happen? <laughs> right? Of the, the sheep and the goats both said the same thing. Lord, when did this happen? I missed it. One of them is saying, when did it happen because I was just doing whatever I thought I should do? And the other one, and, and acting righteously, the other one said, when did this happen because I was just indifferent to them. I didn't do anything wrong to them. It's just that they didn't catch my attention. They were nobodies. They, weren't, they didn't stand out to me. It's interesting, isn't it? Both had the same response. Lord, when did I miss this? To the righteous, he says, when you did it for any one of these, you were doing it unto me. For those who are unrighteous and, and didn't act on and advocate on behalf of those in need, he said, whenever you were negligent and dismissive of them, you were being dismissive of me. I've seen this passage used as kind of a guilt trip, meaning every time you see somebody in need, you have to help every person. Otherwise, you're going to miss it. No, that's, that's not the point in Jesus bringing this up. Again, he's bringing it up saying, these are all these people who the world around you would say, just look past them. The kingdom isn't for them. Jesus was highlighting and saying, these are exactly the people that the kingdom is for. These are the people that so often nobody pays attention to but we in the kingdom of God, we who have been blessed with the grace and mercy of God, should have a particular eye out for those who are underserved, overlooked, beaten down, and wounded and, and troubled by the world. Because we somehow, there's a glimpse of God's grace that comes about into their life. There's, there's other passages where we're reminded anyone will help somebody who can help them tit for tat. I do give you a favor. You give me a favor. But God said there's something special when you give of yourself and you elevate somebody up to a place where you have absolutely no benefit from it, except that you recognize that the kingdom of God is in this and God can move and act in this situation. Well, let me make this point and then we'll finish with a, an opportunity to respond in worship and, and, uh, in response to the Holy Spirit. So, the, the measure, I mean, looking at these, 
things, let me make this point. The measure of your spirituality is not merely who you will associate with, but how will you will use your power. Why, why do I say it that way? Not just who you will associate with, but how you'll use your power is because I doubt there's any of us really in this room who would say, oh, there's certain groups of people I just, I won't associate with. I, I don't know. Some of you may say, no, politicians, I just won't. Too dirty, I just won't do it. I just, I just. Now, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't say that. I mean, if, if somebody was in poverty, I, I don't know of, I, I know many of you so well, and I don't know of a person that would say, you know, oh, I, I don't like associating with people of low means. It just doesn't do me well. No, none of, it, none of us would say that. So the measure of our spirituality is not merely who we would or wouldn't associate with, but as Jesus indicated in who we actually help, how do we use our power? How do we use our authority to be able to advocate for those who don't have power or have authority? Now, I use the word power, and for some of you that may, might sound like, well, I'm not in a position, I don't have a title, I'm, I'm not in a particular role. And, and that would be kind of a misunderstanding of what power is. Power is influence. Power is is having influence and the ability to influence other people. And so we all have power in different ways. Let me list a couple of them, a few of them for you. Uh, economic power. So most of us have affluence that compared to other parts of the world. We, uh, and especially if you have great wealth, then you have, you know, a significant amount of power. But all of us, to some degree, have power because of the economic uh, resources we have. Um, our ethnicity is a, a source of power. If, if I go to a neighborhood, uh, maybe in Southern California, there's a strong Chinese neighborhood uh, just in, um, in, the, um, in the Orange County area. I think Jerry's feeding me notes here. In the Orange County area, there's a really large Chinese community. And um, my ethnicity doesn't really carry a lot of authority or influence there because it's predominantly Chinese. And there's other Chinese uh, Chinese ethnic people there that have more influence because of their ethnicity. And so as an outsider uh, in my ethnicity, it would, not say, it would say I don't have a lot of uh, power. So your ethnicity certainly has uh, some power with it. Your nationality, I'm a U.S. citizen, so there are certain places where I can take my passport and I can go right through and they see that I'm a citizen, they verify it. Others, they try to get access. If they're not a citizen, they're not going to get access. I found the reverse is true. When I travel overseas, my nationality doesn't give me access to certain things. In fact, it's a barrier. And so our nationality gives us some power. Our gender, right, gender differences can create power differences depending on the circle that we're in and our ability to influence people depending on what circle we're part of. Our age uh, can have influence, or it can actually give us less power because, you know, depending on the circle we're in. If I go up to, uh, you know, Mesa University over here and, and I want to influence some students, my age, eh, it may not help me. It may not help me, but, you know, it, so you have power because of your age. Your experience gives you power. Being able to talk about, oh, yes, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've, 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 uh, I'm experienced in, in this role, right? It gives you influence into other people's lives, or it can. Uh, a title or a position, your education, all of these. So there's, there's more, but all of these 
gives us power, and we use them on a regular basis without even thinking about it. We just move in and out of them. We recognize we, we don't cognitively think, oh, I'm using or I'm enforcing this power that I have with my money or with my gender. It's just something that we kind of flow with. But if we think about it, we recognize that we've been given power in different ways, influence in different ways, and we can use that to advocate for others and not just ourselves. So, for a single mom who's struggling, what would advocacy look like? A guy that you know who has a hard time holding jobs when it causes his family to struggle with day-to-day survival, what would advocacy look like to come alongside of him? An 11-year-old girl in foster care because her mom is struggling to live uh, substance or drug-free, what does advocacy look like to come alongside of, uh, alongside of her? So these are important things to, to think about. When we think about Jesus' list, you know, I, I was hungry, <laughs> and I was thirsty, and I was in prison, and Jesus is giving us a, a, just kind of a palette of people in our culture that, that are struggling. And we could go down the list, and we can think about in Grand Junction and places where you go in your neighborhoods, and you could have a whole list of people that you know that in areas of their life, they're less powerful. In fact, they maybe struggle just to make it because they don't have influence, they don't have resource. And so Jesus would just put the question before us is, how are we using our power, our ability, our influence to come alongside of them? In the end, I mean, the the reality as Jesus points it out, the question won't be when, we'll all go be surprised, right? When? Lord, when did I help you? When did this happen? You'll go, well, you did it here and here. Oh, I, I wasn't even thinking about that being ministry or me serving you. It was just me doing what I thought was right to come alongside of somebody. And there'll be other times where you or I might say, Lord, when? When did I miss it? When was I uncaring or insensitive to somebody else? You say, well, you had opportunity to advocate for somebody, to come alongside of them and lift them up, and they were destitute and really struggling, and I brought you across their path. And it was a divine appointment that I had set up for you, and you missed it because you were busy, because you didn't even see them, because they were so small in your eyes. And so I want to encourage us, church. I want us to be, if we're going to be a healthy community, we're going to be a church that says, listen, we have, in different ways and in different degrees, we have power and authority. God has given it to us, and I don't mean that in a diminishing way. I mean it as a blessing, that God has blessed us. He showed us favor in so many different ways, and and it's not a comparative thing. Well, I don't have as much as that person, or they don't have as much. No, it's not a comparison thing. It's, It's what has God gifted you with And will you and I just consume it all and use it for our purposes to get ahead and to get above and to get over people? Or will we use it to come under people like Jesus did and to serve others and to use the authority and the gifts that we have to raise up people around us, to come alongside of that single woman who just found out that she's pregnant? I love Bonnie's story. There were multiple people that God placed in her life at the right time, right? And they had an opportunity to advocate or to say, shame on her for making a bad choice. I love that there were people that God intersected in her life and they responded to the call. And I want to say, yes, 
Yes and amen. Let's be those people who when God encourages us and puts somebody a divine appointment into our life that crosses our path, that we say, yes, Lord, I see this as an opportunity to speak life, to advocate for what you want to do in this person's life. Would you join me in standing? And as we do, let's respond to what the Holy Spirit would do in our lives and speak to us about. I believe that right now there are people that are here this morning who uh, somebody came to the front of your mind that God was saying, you know what, you have an advocacy role for this person. And he's telling you, he's, he's going to give you creative ways that you can come alongside of this person in your life who you, you've just been frustrated with them. You've just been more put out by them. And, and yet God's just encouraging you. Yep, you can come alongside of them in this way. Remember, it doesn't always mean money. It doesn't always mean just giving them resource. Sometimes most often, as it was in Jesus' case, it means your presence. It means you get into their life with them, and you spend time with them, and you pray for them, and, and you hear what they're going through. And so right now, there's, there's people that God is bringing to the front of mind in, in the congregation. I just know the Holy Spirit's faithful to do that. In other ways, there's feelings, and the enemy would use a message like this and stories like this as condemnation. Say, oh, you failed it. You missed it. Nope. That's not the end story. That's not all there is. It's not just that you missed it. So don't allow the enemy to come alongside and condemn and tell you that you missed it or you blew it. Nope, there's grace and there's a redemptive plan that God can work in your life. And so don't let your sense of failure or having missed an opportunity be the last word. Instead, say, Lord, I may have missed it there, but I'm listening. I want to advocate for those who are struggling, those who are you know, in the world's eyes, losers or outcasts. Lord, I want to come alongside and, and help bring the good news of Christ to them. So you can respond just by, as the Holy Spirit speaks uh, to you, you can respond with communion. We have it on each side of the platform. You can just take the bread and, and dip it in the juice and, and just your identification with Christ. Do we remember what he's done? We remember Christ with us, right? God with us. And so communion can be that reminder that because he's with us, we can be present with others as well.